though. This morning, Daniel chapter 11 and 12, we are finishing out the book of Daniel. So if someone now asks you, who is your favorite character in the Bible? I hope that Daniel, I hope Daniel is a, kind of a consideration. I mean, we know Daniel and the lion's den, we know those stories, but as we've studied the life of Daniel, Daniel has shown to be a man as passionately pursuing his God. So as, as we just quickly just kind of recap what we've learned in the past several months of the book of Daniel, we learned Daniel 1 through 6 is the history of Daniel. How did Daniel get to Babylon? Of course, we hopefully you've learned how he got there. And the life in which he lived being an influence in a pagan world. Well, Daniel 7 through 12 is what we've been in the past several weeks. And that's the prophetic journal. God showing Daniel what will happen to his nation, the nation of Israel, in the time to come. Now, as we read the text, some of those things have already happened, but some of those things are still to come in what we call the end of the age or the tribulational period. I guess the, the, the famous text that was probably is the most popular prophetic reading in the Old Testament is Daniel 9, 24-27, in which we have a 490-year period that God has given the nation of Israel to fill his prophecies. Remember the start of that clock, the start, the pay, play button is pushed in Nehemiah chapter 2 at the building of the, of the walls of, of Jerusalem. And then it is stopped at 483 years when the Jewish people rejected Jesus. So we, have two, in the past 2,000 years, have been living in the time of the Gentiles or the church age. Paul tells it, we're going to speak a little bit about it later, this mystery that the Gentiles can come to faith in Jesus Christ. Israel is on the back burner. God does not abandon Israel. Make sure we understand that we believe that Israel is God's people and God will bring them back to himself. Amen. And so last week we talked about Daniel chapter 11, spiritual warfare. I know my wife and I were talking every time it seems like when you preach on something, like that week it's like you get put into practice. Spiritual warfare is something that all of us battle each and every day. As we said, if we put on our spiritual warfare goggles, we would see this, the demonic, the angelic, the fighting that's happening within our minds, within our, our church. And, and Daniel was being prepared by God to receive the message of Daniel 11 and 12. What was going to happen to his people? And so this morning, we're going to look and by the time we end Daniel 12, we want to, as Pastor Frank is mentioning about this Invite Your One, we want to be excited about this particular, we call it a project or program, but it's just, actually it's what our calling is, is to go out and share Jesus, invite people to hear Jesus. Timing is everything, isn't it? Think about music. Music, there, you need to have timing in music. You heard great music this morning, I, and I te- used to tease you guys when I would leave worship that Faith Bible Church just doesn't have the groove of clapping on time. Timing is everything. Jokes. You know an individual, my brother, his jokes are right on spot. Time perfect. Man, you couldn't even plan that perfect, more perfect. Sports. There's timing in sports. You have to know when to hit the ball, when to run, when to jump. Timing is everything. Investments. For those that invest money, the, the, the market's got to be right to invest that money. Timing is everything. Well, Daniel chapter 11, verses 1 through 45, God's timing is always perfect. So we are about to read this morning in this particular topic, in this particular subject matter, Daniel is going to see an overview. And that's what Daniel, Daniel 11 
1 through 35 is. We're going to do an overview. There's a lot in this particular chapter. I want to give, a, give you a couple things that are happening in this chapter. It is the most complicated prophetic historical context in the Old Testament, is believe, theologians believe, in understanding what is happening. And I do not want to bore you this morning and go into every detail verse by verse. We're going to do an overview because I, I don't want you guys to sleep yet. Wait for this afternoon. Many scholars believe that this text, liberal theologians and scholars believe this text was written after the event. I'm, not going, to be, I'm going to beat this drum until we're done at the end of the day. This is prophetic. This was done before the event and it only, it only solidifies God's word is true. God's word is true. His word can be trusted. You can't go wrong with that. So when people say, no, that, 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 that's, just, that's just coincidence. Mm, we don't have the word coincidence in our, in, our, in our vernacular, do we, as Christians? It is God's perfect timing. So these verses, Daniel 11, 1 through 35, happened in the intertestament years between Malachi and Matthew, about when the world was being dominated by the Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire, and then that's what that's what time frame is of what we hear about this particular conflict in Daniel chapter eleven. I, I, actually, before I start Daniel, I wish that we would have turned to the Inner Testament, those blank pages of the Bible. We could have put all this history down. So when you're going through, oh wait, yeah, this happened at this time. Do you know that there's 135 fulfilled prophecies in Daniel 1, well, Daniel 11, 1 through 35? 135 fulfilled prophecies. Is God's word true and reliable? Brothers and sisters, and, and we're talking about prophecy, we can say amen, but his word is true and reliable in every situation that we go through in our life. Now, again, I'm going to beat that drum. God's word is true. It can be reliable. Now, verses 36 to 35, so you kind of have 1 through 35, historical conflict of it's past for us, okay? It's past for us. It happened in Israel's past. Verses 36 to 45 is future. It's future for Daniel, and it's future for us. It is the Great Tribulation period. It is speaking of the Antichrist, and we'll dive into that and talk more about that. So let's look at verses 1 through 4. We'll begin reading. Again, some history we got to, to look at and talk about, and I know for us that don't like history, but listen, the Bible and history coincide they coincide it's, it's beautiful when you, after you get, get done Daniel like man that is amazing so verse one as for me in the first year of King Darius the Mede I stood up to confirm and strengthen him and now I will show you the truth Four kings will shall rise in Persia and four shall be richer than all of them and when he has become strong through his riches he shall stir up against the kingdom of the Greek of the Greeks so real quick First king of Persia was Cyrus. One thing you know about Cyrus, Cyrus was the king that Daniel served under that allowed the Jews to go back to their homeland. Okay, Cyrus was very, he, he spoke kindly and worked kindly with the Jewish people. Okay, so the first king was King Cyrus. That fourth king they're talking about is Xerxes in Persia. Fourth king, and it says that he rose up against the Grecian Empire. Well, who was the Grecian Empire? None other than our man, Alexander the Great. Look at verse 3. Then a mighty king shall arise. Before we get into this text, I want you to put there on the side of your Bible, in your margin, Daniel chapter 8. Because these, these two pe- chapters parallel each other because it's like Dan- God is reminding Daniel, listen, hey, listen, I need to remind you, this is what's coming for the nation of Israel. Again, many of the kingdoms are, are, are talk about the same kingdoms. We're going to talk about a guy by the name of Antioch Epiphanes again. So he's reminding Daniel that this is the conflict that your people are going to go through. 
Verse 4, as soon as he had arisen, the kingdom was broken and divided towards the four winds of the heavens, and not to his posterity, nor according to the authority which he ruled, for his kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others besides him. Again, this is parallel to Daniel 8. Remember Daniel 8? We, we read about a goat coming out of the com, com, coming out of the south, and what was that goat represented? The Grecian Empire. Who was the leader of the Grecian Empire? Alexander the Great. Four horns came out of that goat, remember? Well, it correlates who the four winds are. It's the four kingdoms that were divided amongst Alexander the Great's generals. Okay, so again, the vision's different, but the content is the same. Very interesting of, of, of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, he, he favored the Jewish people kindly. And there's a particular story, historian Josephus tells us, um, that was put in the, in the Chronicles of History. Alexander the Great had a dream that when he was conquering the land, that he, when he came to the land of Israel and Jerusalem, that he was to meet the high priest of Jerusalem. And so as, as Alexander was taking on the world, he comes to Jerusalem. He says, bring me your high priest. Can you imagine the, the most powerful man in the world calling for your high priest? He met with the high priest. The high priest pulled out the scrolls of Daniel, and he says, Sir, Daniel 8, showed him Daniel 11. He says, My scriptures speak of you. My scriptures speak of you. Alexander the Great got on his horse and says, We will leave the Jewish people alone. Let them worship the way they want to worship. Let them live the way they want to live. And he went on to conquer the rest of the world. God sought to protect the nation of Israel when the greatest man alive conquered the world. Isn't that just amazing? Well, it's not amazing. It's, we can say the word awesome, right? And the word great. Daniel 11, 5 through 20. So you have the history set up. Okay? Now, 5 through 20, again, is... I, I want us to... It's going to be over. We're not going to read through this passage. But I'm going to give you a couple of things. This is talking about the future conflict, the future tribulation, not the great tribulation. This text here in Daniel 11 is speaking of one of the worst times in Israel's history, okay, the nation of Israel. So we're going to show you a map here to better understand what is happening here. So we see the four winds. The four winds represent four of the generals of Alexander the Great, Seleucus, Ptolemy, uh, Lamascus, and Cassander. They're the four generals that were given the land of the Grecian Empire. Well, you'll see in the text of, Gen of, of, of Daniel 4, Daniel, Daniel 7, you have the North and the South Kingdom. That, they're the only two kingdoms that are represented here. Why? The only two kingdoms that gave Israel problems. So as you read Daniel 11, the North Kingdom is the Seleucus, the Southern Kingdom is Ptolemy. Who is stuck in the middle there? The I means Israel. Well, Seleucus was the top-ranking general. Again, Alexander the Great told the le the, the, his, his, his leaders, said, listen, give my land to the great and the powerful. Well, they were the four generals in order. Seleucus was the top general. Um, Ptolemy was the second. And then, you know, Cassander were, you know, coming off the bench, I guess. We can look at it that way. But Daniel, verses 11, 5 through 20, here's what's happening. Give you an overview of what's happening. There's wars. There's marriages. There's alliances. The north defeats south south comes back and defeats the north it's pretty it, it, in the end of that text it tells us the domination of the seleucus empire what happens here is when the north comes to the south they come through israel they use and abuse israel 135 years of israel's history is between in the and he's they're in the middle of these battles and then when Ptolemy would come up and try to take the land of seleucus they would come through israel and beat on israel 
So you can see this conflict, 135 years of this happening. This was, this, was, this was causing stress and division amongst the nation of Israel. They were like, man, what is going on? Well, again, as we see, this is deja vu to Daniel chapter 8. Now, if we look, if we look at Daniel 11, 21 through 35, so we see this conflict between the north and the south. Israel's getting used and abused. Well, that doesn't end here for the Israel. Because now verse 21 through 35 talks about a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. Let's read verse 21. In, this, in his place shall arise a, a comfortable person to whom royal majesty has not been given. He shall come in without warning and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Again, we know by history, Antioch Epiphanes did not gain the throne the way other kings gained the throne. Okay, you've done by flatteries and, and sweet talk. He shall come in without warning. Oh, sorry, I read that verse 23. And from the time that alliance is made with him, he shall act deceitfully and shall become strong with a small people. Without warning, he shall come into the richest parts of the province. He shall do what neither his father nor his father's fathers have done. Scattering among them plunder, spoils, and goods, he shall devise plans against strongholds, but only for this is a picture, man, as we, as we are in Daniel 8, this is a type of the Antichrist we will read about at the end of this chapter. Antioch Epiphanes is a picture of the future leader that will rule the world in the end times. Now, there's a reason why this is in here, and I wanted to kind of put into our minds the mindset of his destruction of the nation, of, of the city of Jerusalem, particularly the temple. So as you... Uh, Go back to that map, Beth, real quick. I just want to show, show here real quick so you can get an idea. So Seleucus, Antioch and Epiphanes was the eighth king under the Seleucus Empire. He came to dominate Ptolemy, came to Israel. History tells us that Ptolemy got help from the Cyprus Navy, which Roman soldiers were in to help Ptolemy fight Antioch and Epiphanes. History tells us this. Antioch was defeated. He's standing on the beach. A, a Roman general gets off the boat, draws a circle around Antioch Epiphanes, and says, before you leave this circle, you will surrender to me. Well, he was defeated. There was nothing he could do. He surrendered. Go back to your land, and don't ever come back here again. I'm yours. He was ticked off. Antioch Epiphanes was mad. He was enraged. Comes back from Ptolemy's land. Look where he gets. He goes right through Israel, and he is on a rampage. He knows that he can manhandle Israel, and he does just that. He kills 80,000 Jewish people. He puts 40,000 in slavery and takes another 40,000 for his own particular servants. He desecrates the temple all because he was enraged at what happened in his battle with Ptolemy. This, is, this was the worst thing that could happen to the nation of Israel. And we, and we know... Look at verse 30. The, the ships of Katim, as it says, shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw. That is what history co correlates with this story. He left that moment. He was attacked. He, he, was, he attacked. He came back, and he was enraged at what happened. He was embarrassed. So he put out on the Jewish people. But look at verse 32. But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Who is this referring to? Remember, we talked about it several weeks ago. His name is Judas the Maccabee. Remember his nickname, the Hammer? See, God raised up a man. God raised up a man who took action against Judas. And we know the story. 
December 14th, 164 B.C., he came in and his army, and they, they annihilated, they took, took out Antioch and Epiphanes, and they regained the temple to put into worship again, make it effective for worship. Of course, which we celebrate, it was called the Festival of Lights. Jesus called it in John 10, the, the Feast of Dedication, which we celebrate today, the Jewish people, Hanukkah, the remembrance of the deliverance from a man by the name of Antioch and Epiphanes. I'd like to just stop here a moment and let's, let's pull some applications. This is all about the nation of Israel. This is not talking about the church, but I believe there's principles and there's applications that we can apply to our life today. In the most desolate and trying times in the nation of Israel, in Israel's history, what does this say about their God? Well, their God will never forsake them. Their God will stand with them in the midst of their trouble. Why? Because we believe that the Abrahamic covenant is still in effect and will be forever. Genesis 12, 15, 17, and 19 tell us that they are God's people. He will not reject them. Even today, they're on the back burner. They're still God's people. And God's coming for them. Our God helps decisions for them in their history and their past. What does that say about us? We stand up for the things of God when, like for instance, Judas Maccabees had to attack a man who was desecrating God's temple for us. We see in our culture today there are things that are happening around us that we as Christians just need to stand up and say enough is enough. What are some of the persecutions that are coming our way? Well, you may hear you can't work for us anymore because you believe this way. Or you can't be in this industry anymore because you're a Christian. You know, if you, if you deny that Bible thing and that Jesus stuff, yeah, you're good, good, you can work with us. If you continue to believe this way, you just can't be in our industry anymore. No, you can't be educated in our institutions. No, if you don't have our worldview, if you have that worldview, you just go, go take a hike. We don't want you. Chris Katalka said a few weeks ago, canceled. You're canceled. That's the persecution coming. What will we do when that happens? Well, I know what you want to say. We're going to stand for Jesus. I hope we do. But guess what? When the rubber meets the road, and those things come, that we, we will be like Judas Maccabee and say, listen, enough's enough. We're taking back the temple. No, enough's enough. We are going to stand on the truth of God's word. And no matter what you want, you want to cancel me? Go for it. But we will not back away from what God's word says. Amen? Okay, two of you say amen. That's okay. We'll get there by the end of our service this morning. So there are the applications I'd like to pull out of that particular moment in history. Christians, we can stand, we can take action to stand up for the things of God, and we are going to need to do that in time, from the time to come. Okay, so now there's a transition here. Angel Gabriel goes from the past, for us, past of Israel. Look at verse 35. And some of the wise shall stumble, so that they may be refined, purified, and made white. Again, talking about a persecution or a conflict. Until the end of time, for it still awaits the appointed time. Angel Gabriel takes a transition. Okay, now he's talking about this conflict that happened in the intertestament years. Now our focus is verses 36 to 45 is the end of time, which we know as the tribulation period. He's going to introduce to Daniel this Antichrist that will rule and reign this world. Look at verse 36 and 37. And I think it's important that you... I know as I was going through Daniel to mark off, because, because Antioch and Epiphanes and Antichrist are like, man, they're like, they're like twins. 
circle thing. Antioch Epiphanes, this is reference to the Antichrist. Because the angels gave, is going from this part of the dream, now he's going to the end. So it, it, it just clarifies for you as you go back and study what these texts mean. So just a helpful hint for you this morning. Verse 36, and the king shall do, he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god. He shall speak astonishing things against the god of gods. He shall prosper till the indignation is, is accomplished. For what is decreed shall be done. He shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers, nor to the one beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other god, for he shall magnify himself above all else. It sounds like a pretty nice guy, doesn't he? Well, let's look here. Let's go through here. What is he, what is he about? Well, he's about being worshipped. This guy, this Antichrist, who we believe will be possessed by Satan himself, is going to want to be worshipped. Look, it says there, opposes God. He opposes the true God. He proclaims himself as God. Now, as we, we talked before about um, the Antichrist, we, we get this image like he's this guy with this black cape. He's like, come by, 666. That, that's not, the Antichrist is going to be a winner to the world. He's going to be a winner. You want him on your business panel. You want him on your committee. He is going to be a smart man. He's not some moron. He is a guy that's going to know what to do. He's going to be charismatic. He's going to have a personality that people are, oh, I love him. Why? Because everyone's going to follow him. It says there he denies the God of his fathers. Now, we need to kind of just step back and explain this. Okay, we believe he comes out of the revised Roman Empire which he denies all the pagan gods of the Rome, of Rome, but also it's believed that Antichrist has Jewish blood. And so therefore it's believed that he denies any kind, of, any kind of talk or worship of Judaism or Christianity. He denies it all. So he's denied, denying everything that he was ever brought up to believe or to know. Another thing there kind of gets a little confusing with different interpretations. Or to be be the one beloved by women. Let me say that again. Or to the one beloved by women, I should say. Interpretation tells us in this particular text in Hebrew that Jewish mothers long to birth the Messiah. Oh, they love, they would love to have been known as the mother of the Messiah. What's he saying here is, or the one that the women beloved, meaning Jesus. He's denouncing Jesus. This guy here is denouncing every religion possible. Well, we can say he's a secular atheist. That's what he is. And he's the one that's going to demand to be worshipped. Revelation 13 gives us another picture. Turn there with me. Revelation 13, 5 through 7. John now sees this individual in his vision. Revelation chapter 13, 5 through 7. And the beast was given a mouth utterly haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise. And I love that. Circle that word aloud. God allowed him because it's for God's glory. You, you can't, he's not doing this on his own. God, okay, fine. You, you do this. I got, a, I got a plan here. I love, I love that word aloud there. To exercise authority for 42 months. Again, when we see numbers in the Bible and we learn through Daniel, they add up to exactly what they're supposed to be. 42 months equals, guess what? Three and a half years. Isn't that coincidence? No, it's not. Midpoint of the tribulation period. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blasphemies, blasphemies his name and his dwelling, that is, who shall dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and conquer them, and authority was given it over every tribe, people, language, and tongue. 
Here's another picture of this Antichrist. He will make war for anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus during the tribulation period. And there will be many people that will be saved during the tribulation period. And when you become a Christian during the tribulation period, you will die. You will, you will become a martyr, most likely. Now, I'm speaking to the choir here. We won't be here. But understand this. This is, this is Antichrist. This is who Daniel is seeing. This is who John is seeing future king ruling. Okay, so that's, Jan- that's Daniel chapter 7. So let me just recap, make sure we understand. 1 through 35 is the conflict between the north and the south. It's past for us, history of the intertestament period, of the conflict that Israel was going through between Antioch and Epiphanes and Ptolemy and Seleucus, all those kingdoms. We understand that first, thir- first 35 verses, that's what it's about. First 36, 35, 45 is future. Okay, you got it? You're on board? Because we're going to chapter 12, so you either say yes or else we'll go back and review again. No, you don't want to do that. I used to always hate that in school. You know, yes, I got it. And of course, the teacher's pet, can we go over that again? Shut up. Get out of the classroom, right? Let's move on. I guess there's recess after this. I don't care about review. Right? Okay, Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. And at the time shall arise Michael, the great prince who was in charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble. Circle that phrase, time of trouble such as never been seen since there is a nation till that time. That word trouble in the Hebrew means affliction, distress. It is unlike any other time in history of the world. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 24, 21, for, there, for then there sh- will be great tribulation, such as not been from the beginning of the world until now, and never will be. That day of trouble, the tribulation period. We can reference that. If you look, and you put there in Daniel 12, 1 and 2, reference Revelation 8, just as, as one trailer or one snippet of what will happen in the tribulation period. And I, and I have some time here, so I'm going to turn to Revelation chapter 8, and we're just going to give you a, a little snippet of, of, of what this tribulation period looks like, this, this time of trouble. Again, the purpose for the tribulation is what? To bring the nation of Israel back to himself. That's the purpose of it. You will see in Revelation three levels of judgment. Seal, trumpet, and bowl. And they progressively get worse. This is a trumpet judgment. And, I, and it's funny, individuals that believe they're mid-trib or they're post-trib are friends that, that believe that way. You know, that, well, the, the first part of the tribulation won't be bad. Eh. Bad is bad. <laughs> And I don't know how you go from bad to worse. It's, it's all of it's bad. The seven years of the tribulation period is God's wrath on the earth. I don't know how you can pick anything good out of that. Look at verse 6. Let's start at verse 6. Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. The first angel blew the trumpet and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth. And the third of the earth was burned up and a third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures in the sea were dead and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third of the angels blew his trumpet and a great star fell from heaven blazing like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood and people died from the water because it was made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and the third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so the third of the light was, might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining. 
and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked and I heard on the eagle crying with a loud voice as I flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. I know we read those, those type of texts in Revelations, and I know our first, our first response is, man, I'm glad I'm not here for that. But I think we have to take another approach when we read texts in Revelation, because we need an urgency that we know that friends and family and loved ones and co-workers and neighbors may, or if they make it to this point, they will be going through this. And, and we, we, we don't want that, do we? We don't want this. This is horrible. If, it, if I'm watching a trailer on TV, like, like yeah, you know what? I don't want to be there for that. Cataclysmic events, darkness of light, plagues and sores. A third of the sea will be blood, waters poison. Many will die. Many will shake their fist at God and still reject Him during this all. I think there's two things that the tribulation, particularly in that time, must happen and, and will happen. Unbelievers must wake up. And even today, if you're here today, if you're watching here uh, on, on, on Facebook Live, if you're here today don't know Jesus, I want you to pay close attention here. See, during this particular tribulation period, many will come to Christ. This is God's final call to the lost. Many will forsake Him and are forsaking Him, have been forsaken for years. And maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you've been wrestling with God. God is calling you. God is working in your heart. And you're just kind of ignoring Him. Don't ignore it anymore. Are you forsaking his call of salvation for your life? Are you tired of wrestling with him? Trust him today. We have witnesses here this morning that say he's coming to Jesus. And the best thing I ever did in my life. Don't delay. John 3.16, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting did that for you and for me and i love this or second peter chapter three the lord is not slow in keeping his promises he doesn't want anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance the patience and long suffering of god blows my mind and that tribulation period is his last stand called trying to draw people to himself don't delay call on god to be spared from his wrath the tribulation but ultimately to be spared from the wrath of hell for eternity. Number two, which we know will come to fruition, is Israel must wake up, and Israel will wake up when they are brought back into focus. During this time period, the tribulation period that Daniel's referring to here in Daniel 12, many Jews will come to faith in Christ. Look at Zechariah 13.9. Zechariah prophesies this, and I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. It's talking about persecution testing trying they will call upon my name finally and i will answer them and i will say these are my people and they will say the lord is my god israel will come to faith in god now we understand in revelation 7 god sends 144,000 witnesses to the earth jewish male versions they're sent to proclaim not the, not, the, not the Jehovah's Witness, sorry. They just forgot to put the E between the J and the W. Do you get that, Jew? I forget. Okay, all right. Yeah. First, the first group didn't get it either, but that's okay. It's very clear and very precise in Revelation chapter 7 who the 144,000 are represented. Represent 12,000 of each of the tribes of Israel. 
because it just, it's very clear in Scripture. And we believe God's word to be true, so we stay on the truth. And so we're right, they're wrong. I, I, just the way it is. Just the way it is. Sorry. Just put that E between the J and the W, and it makes sense. It makes sense. I like what Paul says. He told the church in Rome, Romans 11, he says this, verses 25 and 26. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. Again, this mystery of this pause in God's timetable, this time of Gentiles in which we're in. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And that's where we're at, brothers and sisters. And look at verse 26. And this way, all Israel will be saved. That is the purpose of the tribulation period. Actually, Paul says in Ephesians 3, 6, he says, this mystery that the Gentiles can are fellow heirs to the gospel. This mystery. Remember, Israel paused. Okay, you rejected Jesus. Boom, back burner. Okay, the church. The church. This is the time of the Gentiles. Aren't you, aren't you glad we have access to the Father through Jesus? Yes, amen. But we see a time of trouble, but we also see in Daniel 12, 1 and 2, a time of deliverance. A time of deliverance. But at the time, you, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. I want you to circle, underline that phrase there. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. For those that are Old Testament saints and for those that are martyred in the tribulation period, their deliverance, their deliverance comes when Jesus comes in Revelation chapter 19 with, with the church, with us, to set up his millennial kingdom. We believe at that point, this passage of scripture is telling his, their deliverance, they will rule and reign with us, with Jesus in his millennial kingdom. They will be resurrected at that moment in time. That is their deliverance. That's, listen, this is your deliverance. You're going to be with Jesus. This Jesus that was rejected by the Jews, now you are going to live and rule and reign with him forever and ever. I think we have to understand, maybe for those that are maybe new to the Bible, there's two programs that God has in his redemptive plan of history. Israel is one of the programs. God used Abraham to found the, 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 the people of Israel, the, the Jewish people. 12, 12, 15, 17 is the Abrahamic covenant. God will never abandon Israel. God has a plan for Israel. Then there's this other program called the church. Acts chapter 2 was birth. Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16, And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You have Israel and the church. Two programs. Right now, you say, okay, how does Israel get to the front burner? How, when, is, when does God bring Israel back into the, 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 the game, per se? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. It is called the rapture of the church. Now, the word rapture is not found in the Bible. However, there are a, word, a word called harpazo is found in, in several of the texts, which means a snatching away or catching away. That, my friends, is our deliverance. That is our deliverance. Now, there's verses there. Please take a picture. These are four verses that you want to just have circled in your Bible because in, theolo- in, in, in theological circles, there's argument in, in, in of, of, of when we're, if there's a rapture, if there's not a rapture. Listen, we look at these texts and I'm trying to explain just very, very simply why we believe this way. First Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18 and the Lord himself will descend with a voice of a trumpet and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And after we who are left to remain will be called up into clouds to meet the Lord in the air. 
1 Corinthians 15 says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. And then Revelation chapter 4 is a picture, I believe, of verses 1 and 2, of John being called forth with the voice of a trumpet to come to the heavens to see what God will show him via the revelation. So the, the, the rapture will occur. That is our deliverance. And another, another, another kind of fun fact for us, when we look at the book of Revelation, the word church or the Greek word ekklesia is found 25 times in the book of Revelation. Verse, chapters 1 through 4 found 19 times. And then chapters 19 through 22 found 6 more times. Okay, we're not in chapter 5, 6, 7, 8, nine. we're not in the middle portion of the tribulation period. We're not mentioned anywhere. It's just very interesting how we're mentioned at the beginning, and then all of a sudden John's caught up with the voice of a trumpet, and then the church is no more on the earth. And then it just happens that the church is mentioned when we come down with Jesus and set up his kingdom. And so it's very important, brothers and sisters, that we understand that we will be saved from the wrath of the tribulation. And just another a point of information, what is the last phrase of that passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Therefore, encourage one another with these words. William, let's just say, I'm going to encourage you. And I'm going to sit here, William, listen, man. The moon's going to be dark. The sun's going to be dark. There's going to be stuff falling from the sky, destroying the earth. You're going to die, probably. I'm going to die. I just want to encourage you, man. I mean, if, 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 if that's my encouragement, <laughs> I don't know about that. Paul tells us two times in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1, that we are saved from the wrath to come. Then he gives us a picture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 of what that deliverance looks like. You are taken up with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. The rapture, we're taken out of this. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he reiterates and says, we are not destined for wrath. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's where we hang our hat in the rapture of the church. I don't argue with people that disagree with me. I just know when the rapture happens, I'm going to be, mic drop. See, I told you. I told you. Aren't you glad? Well, I think here also there's a, a, another point we have to see in this text in Daniel. We're delivered from the wrath. The nation of Israel is delivered through their, their being resurrected to come with Jesus in the setting up of their millennial kingdom. But I think we also need to see, it's, it's, and it's very interesting that Pastor Frank had his announcement with Invite Your One, so I think it all coincides here this morning. It tells us here in the text that there is a book that is written, that, that there are names in this book. And you will either go to Life Everlasting, which is referencing, I believe, the Great White Throne Judgment. And if your name is not in the book, you will have, you will be in destiny, have your destiny in, in heaven. I don't know about you, I like having my name on a list when, I, when it's supposed to be there. This past Monday, I had to deal with some registration title issues with a car, and so I had to drive up to the DMV. That's always a great, great time of your life. You know, talk about the tribulation period. Um, and so a month ago, I had to put my name in the computer to get my... So I drive up to Sewell, New Jersey, and I'm just... And, and it's just like, when you say, you know you have to go to the DMV... My temperature just starts, it's just like, you know, well, you need this signed by your dad's aunt's uncle's brother. You know, there's always something you leave. They're like, I, I just give me the title, right? 
And so he goes through the pages, Jason Farmer, Jason Farmer, and Jason, I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose it right now. Oh, oh, Farmer Jason. Yeah, okay, yeah, first, last name, okay, yeah. Okay, come on in. I was, like, I was relieved. It was like this, this, this burden was lifted off my shoulders. My name was on the list. Brothers and sisters, listen, there's people that we know in our surround, our sphere of influences that don't know you. Their name is not in the book. And you may ask, maybe you're here today, you're watching, you're watching, you're here today, and you're, you're saying, how do I get my name in the book? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And guess what? When you're saved, your name goes in the book. In that moment of time, when that book is open, the great white throne judgment for those that haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus, and Jesus resurrects all those individuals, God resurrects them for that final judgment, and it's going to be a sad day. Because God's going to open the book and say, I never knew you. That's why, it's, why it's important, brothers and sisters, as we close this morning, we think about this invite your one. It's not just a time to go invite friends to come to church. I like my church. I'm talking. Great. You guys are friendly. Awesome. We have great music. We have great programs. That's not the reason why we're inviting them. We're inviting them to hear the good news of Jesus. And as we think about the, this last chapter of Daniel, of what what the world is going to go through, I don't want even my worst enemy to go through that. And so let's, let's be faithful in the next several weeks to come as we think about, and I know Pastor already said, invite your one, you can invite a couple more people. If they need to hear the gospel, invite a whole row. But we want them to hear the good news of Jesus because we do not want them, we want them to be in the book. We do not want them to suffer the wrath. Father, we thank you for this time we have together. Lord, thank you for the promises in your scripture. Thank you, Lord, for just who you are and what you mean to us. Lord, thank you for this, this, this picture of, of, of what will happen in the future. And Lord, we are grateful that we are on the victory side. We love you. Help us to be out in our communities, in our neighborhoods, just just building relationships with people, loving people for the purpose of sharing Christ with them. And would you, that particular Sunday for that invite your one, would you just fill this church with people who need Jesus and, and we just see people come to know you and their lives change. We ask this in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Let's all stand up and sing uh, Hallelujah for the Cross. Up to the